we wanted to talk about original heart. And one of the reasons is that this, this phrase we often translate, in fact, most of these um, ways of describing mind that come from the Chinese, these ways of describing mind, whether it's Buddha mind or original mind or big mind, or they are all, they all are translated from the word shin. And that word in its original, as many of you know, means heart and mind. And so when we translate it as mind, especially in terms of experience, the way we process, process that experience in our culture, we may lose something. We may lose something when we talk about when we explore the experience of original mind as opposed to the experience of original heart. And if you asked somebody to point to Shin who grew up with that word, they would point here, they wouldn't point here. And so what is it to start taking on this translation with the heart piece of it? forward rather than the mind piece of it forward because unfortunately we tend to split the two as mistaken as that is and so what then are we talking about when we talk about original shin or original heart if we talk about original mind we might have the idea or we might even lean into the experience of we sometimes talk about this mind big mind buddha mind original mind as uh, in its limitlessness in its size in its infinite and inexplicable nature so we have small mind and we have big mind small minds are our habitual separate self mind and big mind is that which is uh, beyond actually beyond our ability to understand Small heart and big heart, very different. And so when we talk about original heart and we feel into this limitlessness, it might be a little bit of a different experience in the body. It might not be so much feeling into the experience of, or into the perception of a mind of awareness being infinite, or including, it's not even talking about infinite, including everything in our perception. So original mind includes everything in our perception, includes everything that's arising. That is the nature, the reality of original mind. Okay. So then when we turn, when we complete that idea and we talk about everything in our perception arising as original heart, what shifts? With the energy actually coming, the awareness energy coming from the heart 
so that whatever is arising in my experience, the heart holds all of it. Not simply the aware mind, but the heart holds all of it. In the old Pali scriptures, the Buddha talks about three kinds of mind. He talks about vijnana, he talks about manas, and he talks about citta. You don't have to remember these words, but what they, what they mean is important. Vijnana is usually used to talk about awareness or, or a consciousness that arises from our experience, right? So there's an object of experience, I'm aware of it. It's just consciousness. Very clear, it's very simple. There's a perceiver, there's a perceived, there's a world, I'm conscious of it. Manas is usually, and these, these meanings change a little bit here and there, but manas usually means like the cognitive intellectual, intellectual functioning of the mind. So this is the thinking, cognition, all the stuff we're used to doing, the stuff we want to quiet down. So we have this consciousness piece of mind. We have this um, functioning, cognitive, intellectual, thinking, strategizing, planning aspect of mind. We're kind of aware of those. And then there's this third one called chitta. And this is what is translated as shin. This is a direct line from the chitta to shin. And chitta is the feeling mind. It's the feeling heart. It's the same heart and mind together. It's the mind and heart that feels into the world. It isn't simply um, there's awareness. So if I'm sitting in Zazen and I have the experience of there's awareness there, there are things arising in that awareness. That can happen. We can kind of shut down in a way the chitta experience of that to some degree and have a cool relationship to the arising of our thoughts or, um, or phenomena or so on. And that's fine. Um, it's just not complete. So when there is, when, when the Buddha is talking about chitta, now here's the interesting thing about this heart mind. Anytime the Buddha talks about the mind of liberation or the mind that is liberated, he only ever talks about chitta. He does not talk about the liberation of the thinking or cognitive or planning mind, and he doesn't talk about the liberation of consciousness. He talks about the liberation of this feeling mind that of this heart mind that um, that is who we are so this feeling heart this feeling mind this original mind this original heart this is actually the source location pathway of our liberation this is where it is it isn't the little thinking experience mind that we might have behind our eyes or in our gut or it's this radiant heart that we feel usually in the space that we associate with our heart 
that there is an energy there that in some ways we're in the habit of treating as an object of awareness. We kind of bring our attention to our heart space. But this is a little bit of a confusion because actually that heart is awareness. It is a kind of wisdom. It is a kind of awareness itself that gets treated as an object of consciousness or so on. But it's important to settle into that um, heart space as a form of awareness, as a form of knowing that has the capacity to expand, to include everything that is arising in the heart, everything that is arising in our experience, everything that is arising in the world. So we do have this experience of of, um, thought quieting and awareness including, but with that awareness including, this heart piece, the feeling piece, the part that, where devotion lives, compassion lives, and loving kindness lives. These, and and sympathetic joy, these, the Brahma-viharas, the way the Buddha talks about the Brahma-viharas, having, experiencing the joy of another being as your own, wanting the suffering of another being to end, and working to end it, meeting a person with a deep sense of loving friendship, that includes them as a part of you. This is not um, ancillary to liberation or enlightenment or awakening. It's not an interesting compassion practice on the side. If Shin is, which the Buddha tells us it is, if Shin is how we realize enlightenment, awakening, liberation, then these are the pathways there. The expansion of the feeling aspect of mind to include everything, to include everyone. This is the way. This is the path. There isn't some other path. We include everything in this way. So maybe just settle for a minute and see if it's possible to feel into, and there could be pain there and there could be um, hindrances to feeling this for sure, but that's a part of the feeling of it. We can just feel into the heart space and have a sense of that capacity for, of the mind that feels life. It's not just aware of life, but feels life in all of its richness. And just let that come forward. It may feel poignant, it may feel unsettling, it may feel very energetic, it may feel quiet, it may feel like it's trembling, 
may feel reticent, may feel urgent. Whatever it's feeling is its wisdom in this moment. And as we have a sense of that, and this other mind, this thinking mind, that we kind of feel high in our body. Let's see if we can just let that mind drop into the hara. In the area below the navel that feels like where our root energy is, whether we experience that as hara or womb or gut, just let that thinking energy drop down into the parts of us that move, that feel rooted and connected to the earth, that move more slowly. The hara area, its wisdom moves at the speed of magma. It's a much slower, quieter place. Let the cognitive thinking mind just fall down into that place. So that the eyes can just be left to see, the ears can just be left to hear. They don't have to busy themselves with thought bouncing around. I can just rest down in the hara. And with that settled, come back to the heart awareness. And let that come forward. Allow that to be the anchor of awareness. The energy that grows, spreads, begins to include the whole of you and the room you're in and your experience today, whatever comes up in Zazen. This is the awareness that includes it, that feels it, that makes room for it. I want to tell a story. I want to tell the story of the Buddha when he first decided to come out of the palace at 29. And for those of you who know this story or parts of it, um, I'll just tell some pieces. 
to give some background, when the, before the Buddha was born, there was a dream that either he would become a great king or he would become a sage. And his father, Sudodhana, really preferred he become a king. And so he kind of set up his life so that he wouldn't, interestingly, run into any difficulty. He wouldn't experience the suffering of the world. So it's already quite wise that um, his father realized it would be suffering that would trigger the life of a sage. So he kept him in the palace, and at 29, the Buddha decided he wanted to go out. So his father, the day before, went out and cleared the streets and arranged who was there and took away the ill and took away the dying and took away any sign of impoverishment and made a world that would not bring about a recognition of suffering in the Buddha in Prince Siddhartha. It wasn't the Buddha yet. And so, the, so Siddhartha goes out and everything's been tidied up The world looks very nice. And the gods are watching this and they're they're impressed. They know about the prophecy. They're impressed with Siddhartha. They really want him to become a sage. This is the story as Ashvagosha tells it, which is is one of the first tellings of this story. And um, he says, why don't we put an old man down there in front of the Buddha so that he can see something about life. And so they do. And the Buddha comes across, and the reason I want to tell the story is because the way the Buddha changes, the way Siddhartha changes, when he sees this old man, he's confused. That's his primary response is he's confused. So he turns to his friend, the charioteer, that's taking him around. And he says, he asks what it is, what's going on. And, and this is the way it's translated from the Sanskrit. This awfulness, will it be my future as well? This is his question. Will it be my future as well? Will it happen to me? And the charioteer goes on to tell him that it will and that he'll grow old. And so the Buddha asks to be taken back to the palace right away, and he spends the night suffering. He's confused. He doesn't understand what's going on. He can't find any comfort. His father finds out about it and says, well, let's t- something clearly went wrong today. Go check the streets. Let's send him out again tomorrow. He feels so bad for his father because he's trying really hard. and. Um, it's just, he's up against the gods, and um, they're really set on their plan. He's really set on his plan. Um, so, and you can't blame. I mean, he, he wants to, his son wants to become a sage and go out and sleep in really uncomfortable beds and not eat until he's emaciated. It's not the first pick for your kid, for most parents. And so he's trying really hard not to do it. And, um, and so he thinks he's got it worked out, and the next day he goes out. 
the gods do the same thing. This time they put a sick person in front of the Buddha. And the Buddha sees the sick person, is confused, starts asking questions. But this time his question is a little bit different. He says, this illness, is it produced in this person alone? Or is the danger of these illnesses common to all people? So this is the way it's translated both in the, in the Chinese and the, and the um, Indian tellings of the story. So the first time the Buddha is concerned about himself and he spends this night of pain and rumination. And the next day he goes out and he doesn't ask if it's just him. He asks if every, all human beings are going to get sick. And he finds out it's true. And he's even more brokenhearted and more confused. And back he goes to the palace immediately and spends his time there. His father finds out. His father's desperate. His father arranges for him to be distracted all night by various things in the palace. It doesn't work. Siddhartha's wants to go out the next day. This time his father sends out the guards, makes sure everything's just right. And once again, the gods put in front of him a corpse. He sees a, die, a dead person being carried. And this time he asks, this end, this dharma, this path, is it exclusively of this person alone? Or is such an end the case for all living creatures? What's happening in three days for the Buddha, it took a little longer for maybe most people, is that Shin, he's not, he's not working this out intellectually. There's no cognition going on here in terms, he's confused. He actually has no answers. But his heart has expanded from a concern for himself to all human beings, to all sentient beings, to all creatures in the world. This is what the early scriptures would call chitta. This is what's expanding. This is shin. This is what's expanding. Until finally he sees a sage and he, and he, after a conversation, decides to go into the spiritual life. But this decision to go into the spiritual life, there's nowhere along the way where it appears the Buddha sits down and logically reasons this out. There's nowhere where it seems his wisdom is coming from anywhere except heart. And the clarity of his heart, his heart becomes more and more clear along the process. It becomes bigger. It becomes more inclusive. It brings in the whole of the world. But that wisdom, that understanding is not one that um, we understand with the other aspect of our mind. Cognition doesn't 
make sense of this. And this is why I think it's so important that the ancestors um, used Shin when they were talking about our original mind, the mind that's at the base of everything else, the mind that is beyond my karma, beyond any of our karma. That this is the place, and as Shin is understood in our tradition, and Zen is, this is where we realize dependent co-arising. This is the realization of dependent co-arising. We do not realize dependent co-arising with awareness. We do not realize dependent co-arising with cognition and thinking. We realize dependent co-arising with the intertwined feeling heart. That is, the ne- that is the crossroads, that is the nexus, that is the, 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 where all of the causes and conditions of the world that are within our ability to witness and beyond our ability to witness are coming together in a knowing that is beyond our, really beyond our understanding, a knowing that is not something we can make sense of in the normal way. It's simply a knowing that we learn to trust, that we learn to have faith in, that we let begin to drive us. And the rest, of the mind quiets down into its appropriate place of carrying out that knowing, of carrying out that wisdom that is beyond us. And this is what the Buddha learned to trust in that brief time. From confusion, no ability to understand. In fact, his confusion remained because that's why he took up the path of the sage. He did not understand, and he wanted to understand. So he was being driven by love and compassion. He was driven by a very different heart-mind than the one that understands. How much time? Okay, just checking time. Because I want to tell another story. This story comes from China. So it seems my favorite case in this book is in Book of Serenity is case 89 because I keep talking about it. So I'm going to talk about it again. This is a case called Dongshan's No Grass. And um, Dongshan's the the Zen master in this situation, and um, he says to the assembly, it's the beginning of autumn, the end of summer, and you will all go, some to the east, some to the west. You must go where there's not an inch of grass for 10,000 miles. Now, I'll explain what, I'll just explain quickly what they mean. 
an inch of grass for 10,000 miles, grasses here refer to phenomena or anything that's arising in the mind. So you're supposed to go where there's not an inch of grass for 10,000 miles. He also said, but where there's not an inch of grass for 10,000 miles, how can you go there? His disciple says, one disciple says, going out the gate, immediately there's grass. And another disciple, Dayang, said, I'd say even not going out the gate, still the grass is boundless. So say something about this. They're in the monastery. The monastery is about to open its gate at the end of a practice period. All the monks are about to probably either wander about, go see family. And Dongshan says, go somewhere where you're not going to be troubled by what comes up in the mind, what arises in the mind. And one monastic says, yeah, but the moment you go outside, the mind is troubled, the mind has phenomena. Let's remember that in the Buddhist tradition, when we talk about phenomena, we also are always talking about that grasping the contents of the mind is our suffering, right? So when we say outside the gate, there's phenomena, outside the gate, there's suffering. And the other disciple says, well, actually, I would say also inside the gate, there's suffering. <laughs> and um, this points to some confusion about the one monk who might have a relationship to mind that isn't including shin, that is more maybe stuck in emptiness and not feeling, maybe um, relating to the mind in such a way where he can have the belief that there isn't suffering inside the monastery and his practice is not quite ready to go out into the world and feel, to do what the Buddha did, which is go outside the gate. And this points directly to that story. This is a monk who's about to go outside the gate. And he's like, eh, it's hard outside the gate. And so there's a poem that I've read before that I'll read again. Grass boundless. This is a verse that is talking about this story. Grass boundless. Inside the gate. Outside the gate. You see by yourself. To set foot in the forest of thorns is easy. To turn the body outside the luminous screen is hard. Look, look, how many kinds. For the while going along with the old dead tree with the same emaciation in the cold about to follow the spring wind into the scars of the burning. So I'll go through it and say some things about these lines. So grass boundless, the contents of the mind, the possibility for grasping the reality of suffering and dukkha, boundless. Inside the gate, outside the gate, in the monastery, out of the monastery, inside your protected little world, outside your protected little world, whatever that is for us, we still have to see by ourselves. We have to deal with our karma ourselves. 
to set foot in the forest of thorns. The forest of thorns is a, is a way that, that groups of monks are sometimes talked about. Actually, they're usually talked about forest of trees, but I think the writer is making a little bit of a joke here. To set a foot into the forest of thorns is easy. To turn the body outside the luminous screen, in other words, the mere mind that is still, that has learned to be quiet, that is not um, bouncing around, that has gathered together with deep concentration in practice. To turn the body outside the luminous screen is hard. Look, look. Let's remember, with the grass, we're not just talking about the phenomena arising. We're talking about karma and we're talking about dukkha. We're talking about suffering. And you can almost see the monk throwing open the gate to the monastery for the other monks and saying, look, look, how many kinds? How many kinds of phenomena? How many kinds of grasping? How many kinds of suffering? Outside this gate. How many kinds? For a, lot, for a while, go along, going along with the old dead tree, with the same emaciation in the cold, this is the mind that has settled into emptiness. Necessary, but not complete. For a while, going along with the old dead tree with the same emaciation in the cold. And then here comes Shin. Here comes Chitta in response. About to follow the spring wind into the scars of the burning. Shin coming forward with its, with love, with buoyancy, with a felt sense of the world, but also Shin is feeling the scars of the burning, feeling our history together, feeling everything outside the gate, inside the gate, that is burning and in this case, both the, poem, the poet here and the Buddha are saying, look, look. By the end of the third sighting, the Buddha was like, look, how many kinds? I can't sit here anymore. When he sent Kisagotami, when Kisagotami came to him with her dead child. He did not give her a talk about what to do. He sent her to every house looking for a mustard seed where there had not been a loss. So that by the time she came back, what was in her heart was, look, how many kinds? When we sit in our world now, everything that's going on around us, how many kinds? It is chitta that feels this. 
It is shin that feels this, and it is shin that responds. It will never be cognition that responds. It will never be strategy, although that will be necessary to address it. (laughs) But it will be the heart-mind the Buddha talks about when he speaks of the awakened being being fully illuminated. When liberation is through the whole body and the whole heart and the whole mind, he uses the word aloka, which means to be, which has a sense of being illuminated with wisdom. This illumination, this comes from Shin. This is Shin, fully manifest through us. It's where our devotion comes from. It's where our compassion comes from. It's where our joy comes from. It's where our friendship comes from. It's what keeps us coming back and what um, is the loving breath of our zazen practice. And it's hard to feel for a while. It trembles before its own freedom because in between the invitation and the freedom is the pain of our lives. And so we all, just like Siddhartha Gautama did, we all run back to the palace for a bit. We learn about the suffering of the world, we feel it, we run back to the palace. We come out again, we feel it, we run back to the palace. Until we come out enough that we decide, okay, I'm not going back to the palace. I'm staying here. And I'm going to understand what's going on And I'm going to understand why we do this to each other. And I'm going to devote my life to ending it, to uprooting, seeing the conditions in me and the conditions in others, the causes in me and in others that keep all of the fire burning. And so today when we're sitting, there's a deep strength. If we feel the suffering of the world, the pain of the world with shin, and we attempt to respond to that solely with thinking, strategizing, we will find ourselves very frustrated. We will find ourselves trying to respond to something that is felt with one mind with a completely different mind that is not equipped to respond. 
It's an assistant. It's the charioteer to the Buddha. The thinking mind is the charioteer to Shin. Shin is the liberated one. When we confuse that, we, we suffer a lot because we try to make sense out of things that don't have, that we can't make sense out of. And so it's this deeper um, mind that's beyond our ability to understand that is the one that we strengthen, that we cultivate, that we allow to come forward to respond to the world. And we will be surprised by its choices. And that will be exactly right. So please sit today. And I, would, and, and I encourage that you let this thinking mind drop down into the belly, into the hara, into the womb, and let it rest there. And that it's the awareness of the heart that you, that each of us brings to the breath. But is it for the breath and the heart to be one? And that to be the attention, that to be the awareness. And then, as we sit and we soften and we settle, what is it for that energy of that mind, that heart, to expand, to include and allow for everything that is our experience right now? To include our pain, to include our resistance, to include, all, to include our joy, to include our happiness, to include the surprises and the boredom. So please keep sitting. You are all deeply supporting me and each other. And thank you for doing that. May our intentions equally penetrate. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.